If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate. For as little as $1 per month, you'll gain exclusive access to the Loud Pipes after show, The Downshift, as well as other content and sneak peeks available only to our supporters. Even $1 goes a long way, and we truly appreciate your support. Better yet, come ride with us. Step up to $5 a month and receive an invitation to the monthly video hangout and the Riders of Loud Pipes private social network. Hang out in the clubhouse with other riders, chat with us on show topics, and so much more. You want free swag? Select the barbershop level, and we'll send you a free t-shirt and an annual swag bag. Loudpipes.net slash donate. It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from R-Dub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located. Here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. Loud Pipes, episode 76. We are recapping the Cleveland version of IMS with a special guest who's none other than Zion. He's one of our members of the Riders of Loud Pipes, and we're pleased to have him joining us tonight. But before we get on to that, Got to bring in the fellas, Mr. Hogan. What's up, man? What's, 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 what's up? Oh, he's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I see. Man, what a turnaround from last week. Oh, yeah, because I was bumming about the Mac issue I was having, but I'm over it now. Nice. You got your Mac up. Good. Good man. Headed up. Good man. My pimp hand is strong, baby. Pimp hand is strong. Now, is it a triple rum and coke, or are you back to the suds? Well, I'm back to the suds tonight. I'm having a, a Heineken, and it's in a can. There you go. There you go. All right. Technical director and spider riding extraordinaire, Mr. Marco. How are you, buddy? Did you go to sleep? Tom? I had the buttons. Oh, there it is. Oh, Dang, buttons. <laughs> How are you? Benjamin, once once I got my mute button off, I'm all good. All right, good job, TD. Yeah, man. Got you know, got to keep quiet over here. Having too much partying over here. Too many beers. Are you drinking tonight? Yeah, man. You guys have, you know, you told me I couldn't slack off anymore. We've just fully corrupted you. I know. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> so I have a Perry hard cider. One for the cider. A pair. It's a pair, though. Oh, pear. Yeah. I was thinking Perry's like the name, but it's actually made out of pear. That's good. I think that's what it is. They got a pear in the front of it. So, yeah. So, it's out of California Cider Company, Sonoma, California. Very nice. It's in a bottle. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> right? Bottle, can. Whatever. One right. of those. I'm waiting. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound too convincing. Oh, different. All right. What do you got tonight? Did you finally get out to the you know, store to get something new other than your Sierras? Yes, finally got out. Picked up a mix pack over the weekend from the Brooklyn Brewing Company. And, of course, I drank all of the Brooklyn lagers in the last couple of days, so I can't have those. I'm having a Scorcher IPA, which is a surprise, right? Yeah. And not canned, so no dramatic opening. Just a sip. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, let's get into the good stuff. And let's bring in our... What? Oh, no, please. I was just going to ask, does our guest have anything to drink and wine? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Let's bring in our our special guest. And we want to welcome Zion, who is one of the first five riders in the Riders of Loud Pipes group. So, Zion, welcome to your first, but probably not your last, Loud Pipes. (laughs) Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, It probably will be my last. Uh, You you know how uh, I can get sometimes. Enjoying myself an A&W root beer today. You got half of it. You got beer in the name. That qualifies. Yeah, there it does. Very good. So yeah, the reason we brought Zion in, not just that he's a a cool cat and rides my old motorcycle and a cool Harley, but he also attended IMS in Cleveland recently, checked out the bike scene there, both from OEMs and the customs. And when he wasn't being bounced out of the building, I think he managed to get a little information. Yeah, so, Cleveland was a was a good time. Nice. So why don't you give us the background first? Tell us what you're riding or and also what you've had in the past and and then we'll get started with IMS. Uh currently um I'm uh, riding uh your KLR six fifty. Yeah. Uh as it's uh quite cold and nasty here in the east coast. Uh, when it's a little bit warmer out, I'm on a two thousand thirteen Harley Davidson Deluxe. With uh, about twenty-one inch ape hangers, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm that guy. So, uh, and if you think your bike is obnoxiously loud, you should hear mine. Yeah, you are. You are sans baffles. I cor- am I correct? Yeah, I'm running uh, Vance and Hines short shots with no baffles. So uh, she wakes up the neighbors every morning. Very nice. So Rico, twenty-one inch apes that get you a little giddy there. It did. I was just imagining that going down the street. It's comfortable. Is it? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, as you guys know, I have a really bad back, so uh, it forces my spine to a straight position and uh, keeps me upright. Okay, so there is a method to your madness, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I would have them if if I had a really solid back, but... uh, when I bought the Harley with the beach bars on it, uh, I, I couldn't get 50 miles up the road without being in pain. Mm. Oh man. Now, did you change out the rear suspension at all to help with any of that or no? No, no, it's got the, um, it's got the stock shocks on it. Uh, the suspension wasn't the bad part. It was pretty much just being bent over. Okay. You having to lean forward. Yeah. You know, when you have a disc problem, you can't really bend over much. You got to keep your back straight and, uh, when, when you're reaching for handlebars, mm-hmm. it, it, it can become a nightmare real fast. I can imagine. What color is it? Uh, hard candy green, so it's got that 70s metal flake to it. Nice. Yeah, that's what sold me. I never even test drove it. Uh, I walked in a dealership, pointed at it, and said, write it up. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that one. I'll Thank take you. That one. Yeah, I, I even told him. I said, if you can't do this bike, I said I don't want one. And uh, next day, I rode out of the dealership with it. Nice. You said a thirteen, twenty thirteen. Yeah, I bought it brand new, twenty thirteen. Good man. Now you've got a couple of project bikes too, do you not? Yeah, I have a nineteen eighty eight uh, Sportster twelve hundred that I bought, which pretty much bone stock. And uh, have it completely torn down right now. I hardtailed the frame, recently moved, and 
kind of stunted the project a little bit, but uh, hopefully this summer I can get it finished up. Good deal. And you still have the, the 440? Uh, yeah, yeah, I still have the Kawasaki if anybody's interested in it. <laughs> it's like Loud Pipes uh, Classifieds. Yeah, it's a 1980 uh, Kawasaki KZ440 chopper. Uh, more of a bobber, but it's hard-tailed. You know, it's just uh, kind of a rat bike. Good stuff. I'll take it. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get a little bit into your visit to IMS. So this was, what was this, two weeks ago now? I think we're going back two weekends ago. Same weekend we were in Daytona, right? Yeah, yeah. It was the same weekend that you were in Daytona, yeah. All right. So let's, like we did kind of with our other shows, kind of set the stage for us. You know, when you walk in, you know, the layout, is it sort of, you know, your typical convention style? You've got, you know, big quads of of things to see, or how do they have the bikes laid out? Uh, the IX Center is like a four-wing setup, and two of the wings were being used for the for the uh, event. And you pretty much just walk in, and it was very chaotic how they had everything set up. It was just uh, kind of tented areas for each major manufacturer, and then they had a couple rows of smaller vendors selling mm-hmm. the same stuff that you would see at any type of bike fest. You know, the sunglasses, the uh, you know, saddlebags, t-shirts, a uh, couple patch vendors, but got it. You know, it was just kind of, you walked in and it was really like, bam, there's Harley Davidson, you know, and that was like your first view of inside the event. And then you know, as soon as you look past Harley, you could see Indian, you know, which is what I expected. Yeah. Now were the customs kind of dispersed throughout the show or were they in their own little section? They were the... The customs that they had for the competition, the little bike show, were basically right in the area where you want to walk. So every every aisle in the middle of the aisle had a row of custom bikes. Nice. We had actually determined who we were going to vote for before we realized that there was about 50 bikes we hadn't looked at. <laughs> yeah, it was it was laid out in a way that just didn't make any sense. That's like our, our first year at Easy Riders was the same way. We we looked at a handful of bikes, made our selection, and and then we're like, oh, there's still so many more to see because we weren't sure what was custom. The first year, we weren't sure what was custom from just stuff that people had on display. But that's neat. I like how they mix the vendors in because we, we noticed that this year at Easy Riders as well. It was, you know, row of bikes, row of vendors, row of bikes, row of vendors, and they kind of alternated that pattern, which was nice. Yeah. It kind of forces you to go through the vendors. I wasn't really too interested in that kind of stuff because I have sunglasses. Right. But one of the things we walked into was like, there's a guy who makes his own custom pull behind trailers for motorcycles and he makes them for your pets. That's really something I would have never even thought to go there to look for, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, who, who really stuffs their dog in a camper and then connects it to a motorcycle. <laughs> Apparently people do. <laughs> Well, you have a you have a trailer for your deluxe, do you not? I do. Yeah, yeah. And it came in real handy for me. Um, we used it when we came out your way and did the tail of the dragon. Mm-hmm. It uh, if, when you're going to camp and you don't feel like uh, trying to squeeze everything onto your bike, a trailer is definitely the way to go. Nice. So, did you buy any chaps while you were there? I'm sure they had them. Uh, saw them. <laughs> didn't buy any. No, no. <laughs> 
I, I didn't drop a whole lot of coin while I was there. Uh, bought some food. That was about it, which unfortunately was not well, not very good either. Mm. Oh, man. So basically what I'm hearing is uh, it's set up like a auto show. Yamaha had a section of all their Yamaha bikes and same with the Cadi, BMW, Indian, Harley, you know, and so on. Yeah, pretty much. It was like all corned off sections and some some of the manufacturers, they put a little bit more time into their into their thought process, like their stage setup. Harley Davidson was cool because they were putting bikes on the ground and then bringing women up to teach them how to pick a bike up off the ground. Oh, neat. So they were just doing little demonstrations like that. Plus, they had a couple other custom bikes there, you know, the uh, bikes that local dealers had kind of modified and turned into special little projects. Another one that really caught me was Honda uh, was really pushing the Rebel. Hmm. They had like a specific uh, section for this Rebel where they had four or five of them sitting there. You could just jump on and had to had to custom Rebels there. The one with the military, like the, uh, what was it? The uh, blue and white military look to it. Um, that was on the, uh, the website where they did that build off for the Rebels. Yeah. They had those bikes all there on display, so that was pretty cool. So, how many would you say? How many different um, makes were represented? A pretty good field, because when they were in Charlotte, we we used they used to have IMS, or at least I think it was a version of IMS. It was sponsored by Progressive, and it kind of just waned over the years. In the last year, there were several manufacturers that didn't even show up. So, I just wondered how many vendors or not vendors, how many OEMs you saw. Basically, your American motorcycles were there. Your Japanese motorcycles were there. BMW and Ducati were there, but a lot of the smaller ones like uh, Motoguchi was not there. Mm -hmm. Was Victory there? Yeah, Victory was there. Um, They had four or five of their bikes pushed in with the Polaris tent where they had all the um, slingshots. Not understanding why those were even there, but they were. <laughs> that's where that's kind of where things got interesting for me. I went there to try to get interviews and to get some people to go on record for me. And because I did not go on the media day and I did not have a media pass, yeah, uh, I was I was pretty much treated like I had to plague. <laughs> oh, jeez. So the, oh, man. the minute, yeah, the minute I said. um I would like to ask you some questions for a podcast. They couldn't get far enough away from me. So I started, I started at Indian and I found a really cool rep there who was willing to talk to me a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things rich told me that he was interested in is if there was going to be any type of a crossover now that victory has gone, will they start to bring some of that technology, some of that look over to Indian. And he felt as though, if they were off the record going to bring anything, it would be the motor from the octane and put it in the scout. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's what he said. He said pretty much everything else would be off the table. He didn't feel like they would be expecting to see anything other than that. And that's pretty much because they share so much DNA between the two bikes. Yeah. Then he told me to go over to the victory slash Polaris tent and talk to the regional sales representative for the Northeast. So I tracked this gentleman down 
who had a victory shirt on was standing by the victory bikes. And I asked him pretty much the same question. (laughs) And as he stumbled to get away from me, (laughs) he, he called over this nice lady who apparently was above him on the totem pole. She basically referred me to the press release that came out um, as she was kind of nervously looking around for any type of security that could haul me out of the building. Shut up. Uh, Really? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. She got very defensive and very uh, short with, you know, my follow-up questions. Because as soon as you say that you're part of the press or that you have a show or that you're, you know, you want anybody to go on record. they're not the people that you want to talk to. And the people that you do want to talk to are only going to tell you what they're going to tell anybody else. Exactly. She flat out said, you will never see the victory product with an Indian badge. Hmm. That was the only thing that she was adamant about. And then she, she was done. She was get this guy out of our area or he needs to go. Yeah. I don't understand the attitude, especially because they have an entire media day. It's like, I can't imagine the people between media day and the weekend are that much different other than yes, it's a dedicated day for that kind of thing. But I don't know. That seems a little weird to me. Well, I think the people that are there on Saturday and Sunday are not the people that are there on Friday when they have their media day. I think those people are trained and given their, their guidelines and their speeches. Yeah. And then that's what they're going to stick to. And then when, when the media day is over, they're gone. Yeah, I guess I can see that. But at the same time, you would think you would want to have some kind of stimulation or some kind of buzz going on that you want to, you know, keep a pulse on to see what's coming up new. Yeah, we're going to be doing something. And you might want to look at this bike because, you know, something, you know, come on. Yeah, some sort of carrot to dangle in front of you to keep you interested in the brand. Exactly. I really just kind of felt like they really don't know. You know, cause she just kept saying, well, you know, nobody's losing their jobs, you know, refer to the press release. That's all we can tell you. It's like, we don't care about that. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Yeah. I don't care who loses their jobs. I mean, it, well, I do, but yeah. you know, that's not what I'm asking you about. I'm asking you about the future of the product. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, you put all this money and research into your race bikes, your, your Pikes peak bike. Are you just going to abandon that? And nobody wants to talk about it. Cause I really don't think anybody knows. You know, is there money? Did anybody buy an Octane because it erased Pikes Peak? Uh, there might be a couple people, but are people going to buy these Indians because they're winning in flat track? You know, I think they're putting all their eggs in flat track, just like Harley's trying to do. Yeah. And that's the only thing that they're going to push. Cause you know, like they had their flat track bike over in the Indian tent, which interestingly, that particular area looked just like their dealerships. They had the hardwood floors laid down and oh, everything. Yeah, it was pretty cool. They took some time and kind of gave you that same dealer experience that yeah. you would get if if you went to the dealer. So they're getting serious about branding then. Indian is its own thing, it seems like within within side of Polaris, so they're they're really taking that brand message to task, kind of like what, you know, what Harley does with it. You know, they're not just selling your motorcycle, they're selling you a brand, an image, a lifestyle, the whole thing. So it seems like they're they're pushing down that path as well. Oh yeah. It was pretty obvious when I, when I went there, because when you, when you went to the Polaris area, it was like just concrete floor. (laughs) Uh, It was real dark. Uh, You know, they they didn't have really anybody by the, 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 
the uh, Victory brand, but they had some salespeople buy the uh, slingshots, of course. But man, when you went over to India and it was like everybody was in lockstep, they had lighting, the floors were there, they had memorabilia. I mean, it was just, you know, if Victory was a two on the scale, the Indian was like a 12 on the scale on how, what kind of money they were putting into the, into the display. Mm. Wow. Wow. Gotcha. All right. So which bike, as you walked around this, the show, which bike that you kind of stare at the, the longest or was there a bike? I would say the, the newer BMWs really caught my attention. They're really putting out a lot of interesting designs right now where they're going with those, that bobber style or maybe that cafe style. Uh-huh. I just really, I sat on some and they felt pretty good. But outside of that, the, the new R6 is, is a beautiful bike. And that's, I'm the last person to tell you that I love a street bike. Uh-huh. But when you're standing in front of that R1 and that R6, it's like you understand what you're looking at. Yeah, <laughs> especially from the front. That's one of the best looking street bikes. When you look at it from the very front, it looked like it was angry. Mm. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. And, well, they they obviously nailed the design then, because if you you know if you're like you said, you, you're normally don't look at sports bikes. So be able to sit there and look at the bike and like, oh, that's a nice looking bike. I think they nailed it, you know, on their design then. Perfect. Yeah. It's like when they tell you that, uh, the old Italians used to design vehicles that looked like they were moving while they were standing still. Yep. That's what the R6 and the R1 looks like when it's sitting there with nobody on it. It looks like it's going about 90 mile an hour. <laughs> nice. But officer, really, I wouldn't go in anywhere. <laughs> I'm just sitting here in the parking lot. I'm just sitting here. Well, you look like you were going 90. Here's a ticket. Yeah. Awesome. I have a, I have a coworker that just ordered one and he's got to wait, uh, for a couple more months before he's even going to be able to get it. Hmm. Wow. What, did you get a special edition or something? No, I guess they're just, uh, taking a while to get them to the dealerships. Huh? Interesting. It's a good problem to have, I guess. Right. So, you know, bikes, aside that you you thought were interesting what was the vibe of the crowd you know was everyone kind of upbeat taking it in or you know what was the energy we got there about 10 minutes before the doors opened so and it was dead like we didn't have competition looking at bikes at all we could just go sit on whatever we wanted about we were there for about four or five hours and when we left it was elbow to elbow I mean, you could, you couldn't hardly move through the aisles. It was really cold that day. So maybe everybody was like, let's just go to the bike show. Everybody seemed really interested. Uh, most of the areas were, were pretty busy. Uh, I noticed there wasn't much attention to the Ural area. I guess the sidecar <laughs> thing isn't real big in Cleveland. Um, uh, the Ducatis, and then there was a couple brands there. The what is it? The Hyosung. Hyosung, yeah. yeah, yeah. There they were there. There really wasn't a whole lot going on there, but your major brands, they were pretty loaded. BMW was crowded, like you couldn't believe. They just must be making money hand over fist, because right. Oh, everybody, yeah. they they had the uh, Resident Evil bike there. What nice. 
Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of the movies, kind of seeing the bike that they used in it. Yeah, the first two movies I, lo- I loved, and from there it just kind of fell off the cliff. Resident Evil, that is. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, Extinction was pretty good, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So is Cleveland still as crappy of a place to be as, as ever, or gray and potholy? And oh, careful. Person? Might have a listener or two in Cleveland. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you, are you familiar with where the IX center is at? Oh, oh yeah. I used to live there. So that's why I can make fun okay, of it. Okay. Yeah. So I really didn't have to go into Cleveland. You know, we just went past the airport and kind of hit the IX, but yeah, I, I grew up around the Cleveland area and I try to avoid it just because of the traffic. And to be honest with you, I used to go to a lot of Cleveland Indians games and I almost got in a knife fight one day because I wore a John Elway jersey to an Indians game. Shut up, really? So kind of my own fault, but that's, you know, that that was kind of my bad taste, and I tried to stay out of Cleveland. <laughs> oh, man. I hear you. All right, Rich, what else you got for him? Well, I was going to give uh, Johnny John a minute over there, see if he had any questions or thoughts. Since he's over there talking about slingshot, it's not 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 a trike. Was there any trikes there, my friend? Any nice looking ones? I, I think I saw a photo of one. There were some trikes. Obviously, Can Am was there, and uh, I had not realized that they came out with like a full touring bagger style bike, um, <laughs> yep. similar to like like the Goldwing, where it's got like the the rear box, and I didn't know they even had that, but it. Yep was was pretty decked out uh, if you were into like a uh, a goldwing trike you probably would be very interested in the the spider version of that yeah that's the that's the big rt and then they you know the other one is probably the f3 the cruiser one yeah they, i think they i would guess that they had about six to eight bikes there but i didn't see any representatives trying to you know solicit the product i did see a lot of people around them um, majority of them, you know, in their nineties. <laughs> oh, well, John is an old soul. So <laughs> I mean, old fart or something over there. <laughs> I said, soul. I said, soul. <laughs> no, I'm just saying the demographic might be, you know, a little, little older for that bike. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've been seeing that. I mean, John, John had a conversation with a guy on the way back from Daytona that, you know, his dad had a big, uh, big ultra or he had a ultra or was it a street glide? Well, it was a big Harley touring bike and he had switched over to the RT spider. So that's definitely a path. You know, we've talked about that before. I think, I think that kind of trike just makes a lot of sense, especially in the handling department, you know, but if you, if you absolutely have to have a Harley, then I get it with going with the, the traditional trike, but I think I would be leaning John's way. Hmm. All right, so the elephant's in the room, and I gotta point it out, yeah. <laughs> Zion. So I know you're a Harley guy, same as Rich, and 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 so in a way I am too. So any Harleys that caught your eye while you were there, and what do you uh, think about the Mil- Milwaukee Eight as well? Oh boy, um, we got all night. Yeah, there were 
Yeah, there was actually a, a custom Sportster there that I thought was pretty nice, but mostly just because of the paint job. Um, new product, I hate to say it because I'm born and bred Harley Davidson, but no, uh, I, I wasn't uh, overly impressed. I do like the Road Guide Ultra. I just don't like the price tag for the Road Guide Ultra. Yeah. Um, I did. Uh, Oh, oh boy, right before winter hit, I went and I test drove the Roadmaster from Indian and I test drove the new uh, Milwaukee 8 and it was stuffed into just a regular road glide. And I got to tell you, if you like that snap of, of torque, like that real low end grunt, that Milwaukee 8 is a great motor. It, it'll it'll rip your head right off its shoulders. Nice. Uh but I, I just have a lot of concerns about where the EPA is going and how long that Milwaukee 8 motor is going to last for Harley-Davidson. And uh, at this point, it looks like it could be a five-year motor, and then they're going to have to pull it for something water-cooled. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. I was wondering, so did you have a chance to talk with anyone about you know, aftermarket exhaust in terms of you know, what that that whole EPA versus Harley thing is doing to the market? I did. Uh, I stopped by the Vance and Hines, and really, they were just so swamped. I didn't have time to really talk to anybody. But oddly enough, there was really not a whole lot going on in the Reinhardt area. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and talked to a representative for Reinhardt and uh, basically asked him off the record, because he refused to go on the record, uh, whether or not the – EPA cracking down on Harley Davidson with their tuners and just everything going on with uh, pollution control, how that's how that's affecting the market. Like, are the manufacturers of performance parts really reacting mm-hmm. to what happened to Harley? And uh, he basically assured us that the parts are going to continue to be available. He felt like that the way they're going is trying to make performance parts that still meet at least the 49 state minimum requirements and still give you those horsepower gains. So you don't necessarily have to go in right. and make your bike illegal to get the horsepower gains. Uh, they're they're kind of doing this a lot in the, uh, the diesel market where these guys are making these big power trucks out of the diesel market. Yeah. And, and they're gaining incredible horsepower, but they're keeping their EPA standards yeah and you know the the days of guys like me taking their vance and hines and ripping the baffles out of them they're starting to come to an end because eventually it just won't even be possible to do it yeah unless you unless you're rocking an old bike some old iron yeah yeah because they're just going to make them where they just flat out won't run and now and harley's cracking down on uh, they're not wanting to warranty bikes that are modified with aftermarket parts now. Whether or not that that's legal, that'll have to play out. You know, I, I can't say that they're going to get away with it. But you know, everybody's going to just gonna be buying Screaming Eagle parts because they don't want to deal with it. But who's big enough in the aftermarket world to take them to task? I mean, the biggest one to do it would be Vance and Hines, but they're partners on many levels. So they're not going to do it. Well, I don't even think it'll be the manufacturers that take Harley to task on that. I think it's going to be a class action situation. 
Yeah. Enough people, enough people will be denied warranties, and you know there's legislation out there that that protects the consumer. Um, you know, if, if I if I put an aftermarket pipe on my bike and the frame cracks, they can't say, "Well, we're not going to warranty your bike because you put an aftermarket pipe on." You know, if, if they can't attribute what you have done to your bike to the the symptoms or the damage that's happened to it, then they still have to warranty it. It it happened to me when the BCM, which controls all the electricity in your bike, my BCM went bad, but I don't run the stock headlights. I don't run the stock, uh, turn signals. Right. I have, I have a wiring harness built into my bike to run my trailer. And at first they started to talk about that kind of stuff. And then they said, you know what, though, we're taking care of this because what you did to your bike could not have caused your controller to malfunction. There, there's got to be a cause and effect. If I screw up my bike and that causes a, a warranty defect, then, yeah, it shouldn't be covered. But right. nobody should be able to force you to say you got to buy our, our aftermarket products. Yeah, I think, that's one of my, I think that's one of my predictions for the year is I think that's going to come to a head because that's a huge part of owning a motorcycle is customization and any sort of V-twin, one of the very first adjustments is almost always an exhaust. So I think that's just going to come to a head. If the dealers start clamping down on that, then either people are going to, you know, they're going to get up in arms or they're just going to move on. You know, it's like, well, I'll just go buy something else. I'm not even not going to buy a Harley. Oh, you're absolutely right. When I pulled my Harley out of the dealership in 2013, it sounded like a Honda Goldwing. And yeah, <laughs> and, and there's <laughs> nothing wrong that. with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. But I still want a Harley Davidson to resemble a Harley Davidson. And I might be a little, you know, 1970s in my thinking, but that's just, you know, that's how I was born and raised. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any thoughts about that from the other manufacturers? So, um, did Indian bring that up at all or any of the other bike makers talk about any of the exhaust changes forthcoming? No, not really. There wasn't a lot there in the exhaust market. Uh, really, it was Reinhardt. And uh, I think Reinhardt was only there because they were part of the J&P Cycles area. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, they had a big display. And then I think some of like like Dunlop was part of that, and they had a they had one single representative from Dunlop there that you could talk to, but it was all this huge JMP cycles area that they had set up. So we've talked a lot about petrol, as they say across the pond, but did you see any electric bikes there, Zon, or anybody make a noise on the electric front, or is that all smoke? Well, being <laughs> electrics, there wouldn't be any noise being made, but. Uh, zero was in attendance, uh, looked like they had about six to eight bikes there. Uh, and outside of the representatives for the company, I didn't see anybody in that booth. The, the couple of times you walked by it, you know, like I've said before, that's, that's something that the, uh, folks out in the West coast seem to really be into, but there, there's no electric dealers in my area that I know of. And. Don't know anybody riding one. Yeah, we've only got we only have one here, and I'm I'm not seeing many when I go over there. I mean, they do have a few. This is Motorcycles of Charlotte, and you know they're a zero dealer, but yeah, I'm not not seeing too many of them out when we go over and 
and check out the the selection. You think it's the ra- it's a range thing? It's just the range anxiety, not being able to go out on a nice long ride without having to charge it for an hour or two. Me, for me personally, I think it's just I can't have two bikes. I mean, look at our trip to Daytona, thousand miles for me, fourteen hundred for John. I mean, forget about it. I'm not going to do that with an electric bike. I wouldn't. It'd take us four days to get there. Yeah, but you wouldn't do that kind of trip on an electric bike. Either. That's what I'm saying. But then I would need another bike, and I just, you know, I don't have the stash to get another bike. Well, right now they don't even build a bike that that is even a cruiser, really, let alone a touring bike. If if a bike can't go 500 miles or it can't be charged in about 10 minutes, it's not a viable uh, it's not a viable product in the American motorcycle market. Yeah. Uh, for for ninety percent of us, you know, we, we have a lot of cities, but there's more rural area in this country still than there are cities. Yeah. If they could take a, a soft tail and conform a, a lithium battery to look like a V twin, I mean you have that huge area yep. in the cradle of of a Harley Davidson, make that into a battery, give me that feel of a cruiser or a touring bike. And then you have a product I think people would actually be interested in. Yeah, I think as a commuter bike, they make a lot of sense. If you're just going to zip back and forth to work, you can charge it at work and things like that. I think it makes a lot of sense. But just, you know, me personally, I'd, I don't leave the house anyway as it is because I work from home. So I don't I don't really have a need for it. And And if I did, I would still need a gasoline bike to take those long trips. The, the best looking electric bike is in a warehouse somewhere in Milwaukee and, and they refuse to let anybody buy one. Uh, that, that street fighter look of that live wire is just a phenomenal design. I mean, I fell in love with the minute I saw it. Yes. I still think about that. I, I still watch, we did a couple of YouTube videos on it. Rico and I got a chance to ride them and what was it? Episode three. Or something okay. of this yeah. of this podcast. I still to this day will go back to YouTube and watch those videos yeah. and just get just get chills listening to that that thing. That wine, yeah, that was a how oh, we. I I was hoping that they would come out with that bike right around the corner riding. Yeah, it. I'm thinking yeah. two years, three years max. We're gonna be riding these things and right. Nope, nothing. We're still we're still griping about it like two old men. Jeez. They could drop the 1200 into that bike, just redesign the cradle, put the 1200 in it. Yeah. Maybe give, maybe give it a juiced up cam and they could drop that on the market today and it would be a viable competitor for that entire market. Or, or how about a, um, a stroked, uh, street 750 that way it would be inexpensive and it could be water cooled. Yeah, that that would be a good one. Or you know what? How about all those leftover V rod motors? <laughs> oh yeah, Oops. there you're talking. <laughs> now you're that V rod. I, I mean, it may not have been the most popular motor, but that motor screams. It, it's a fast motor. Yep. Maybe if you could shed a little weight from it, that that live wire was just killer looking design. Yep. Yeah, it was fun to ride. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Take that chassis. Don't throw it out. But yeah, let's put a let's put a nice V twin in there and let it scream. That'd be fun. I'd be real interested in one of those uh, 
I mean, very interested if it came out on the market. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. Well, that's kind of the highlights. Um, any, any other highlights you want to throw out before we ask you what was terrible <laughs> other than Cleveland? <laughs> well, uh, Cleveland's not terrible. It's just cold. It's, you know, Liverpool, yeah. Why do you, why do you, yeah. Why do you build a city that close to Canada <laughs> and not get into Canada? Right. Yeah. Not get into Canada. It's just cold and not a lot going on. Hmm. Yeah, you got the, was it the rock and roll hall of fame and the, science center that's about it and the flats the flats are still there right uh i don't know that far i don't go that far north yeah uh is is peabody's down under still there because it's been 20 years since i think i even went to that place wow yeah i don't know that's a good question i remember that place i saw my first rock concert there i saw Soundgarden there uh and it was at peabody's down under in cleveland so I, i guess that's one positive thing about cleveland (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh so i got another question for you before we move on rich all right so zion so before we move on um you know we i have this interest in this one particular bike that came out from harley and it's the road king special and i want to know if it was there did you see it and what do you think of it well it wasn't there uh what do i think about it i think it's a nice road king i don't really get what's so special about it uh it's, it's not a new model to me it's a, it is nice to see a blacked out version of the milwaukee eight uh when they put stretched bags on it i think they put a bigger like a 21 inch front rim on it and some yep. some uh entry level mini apes uh, <laughs> to me starter apes <laughs> yeah starter apes for it, it's kind of like when you they put call them chimps. in your ear yeah, uh, so to me, it's uh, it's a it's it's a really clean looking Road King, but uh, what are they going to do to push the envelope? Uh, I, I read an article where they're talking about putting out fifty new models in five years, and to me, is that just mean you're going to stuff a Milwaukee Eight into every bike that you have and call it a new model, and then yeah. give some interesting paint and a different wheel? You know, we all know that the soft tail is going to get it. I wouldn't be too surprised if the Dinas get it. I don't think Rico, you were talking about they were going to put it in the the streets, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, uh, you know, and I really don't think they're going to develop a Milwaukee Eight Sportster motor. No, so you know they're going to they're going to it's going to be available, and there's going to be a lot more of these Road King Special type bikes coming out, which just this all of drab paint job. No, it's it, it wasn't there, but it's not my thing either. Yeah, I right. the only thing I had going for it is, and I talked about it um, last show, but like I said, we ended up kicking that out to the downshift. But for me, I never really liked the Road King all that much. But now, seeing it blacked out with some accessories, let's call it, some parts catalogs accessories, now it's speaking to me more than it was before because I never really liked it at all. I don't know if I like the breakout wheels on it, though. Yeah, well, well, it goes with the blacked out theme, though. You kind of got to have that kind of wheel. I guess with that, yeah, I guess. I can see, but I think they could have did a better job with that. Maybe pick a different wheel design. <laughs> or make it, make it special. This is, uh, you slapped on, put a motor on it, yeah. put some breakout wheels on it, you blacked it out, and you put bigger bags on it. And there, there you go. Special. So you want the Road King special to be special. Hmm, special. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, that's the highlights. Thank you, Zion, for that. We appreciate it. And the other topics. Uh, I guess we should probably cover lowlights or things that kind of made you go, hmm, what are they doing that? So what would be the fails of the show? Things you didn't like. Uh, for me, the, the biggest fail and the thing I was disappointed in was the lack of, uh, let's say, second tier manufacturers okay. being there, like the Moto Guzzi's, you know, brands like that, that don't get a lot of exposure because they don't have huge dealer networks. I know this isn't like the aim, you know, right. convention, but it would have been nice to have seen a bigger presence from, uh, yeah, man, I'm just trying to, some of the names are eluding me. Um, another Triumph. one, it wasn't, there was triumph. Yeah. Triumph wasn't there. Aprilia is part uh, of Guzzi. So yeah, they weren't there. So none of those, Italian, um, Indian brands really weren't there. And I would have liked to have been able to sit on some of these bikes that are, especially the smaller displacement bikes that are trying to come over Mm -hmm. to the United States and take that segment. Uh, so that was a little disappointing. Uh, Another thing is just the trend for me. Every area had like three different trackers or bobbers if that is that's got to be what's going to replace the big wheel bagger is every company's got to have six different versions of a tracker and bobber yeah Hmm. and there there's nothing functional about them the the trackers can't really go in the dirt the tracker yeah yeah the bobbers are just as heavy as every other bike you know the point of a bobber is to reduce the weight uh, as dramatically as possible, you can't do that when you're trying to meet, you know, federal guidelines and, and, and all of that, you got to have all this equipment on there, you know, leave the bobbers up to the guys who put the bike in the garage and start chopping on them. Yep. I agree. Oh, was the flam fortress there? Speaking of uh Moto Guzzi. No Guzzi. The Cleveland Moto guys were there. So they had some of their personal bikes on display. So yes, there was a flying fortress there, but they had them all roped off. So you couldn't get near them. Nice. Yeah. I never did get to see the Cleveland moto guys though. They, I think they were out in their party bus having a good time. (laughs) That's the way they roll. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, I guess on a whole, if anyone else is, is looking to attend, are there other stops for this show for this year? Are they done? trying to remember how the schedule goes i believe there's a couple more left um down south (laughs) if i remember it it, for the money i mean it wasn't i it wasn't much at all i got the t-shirt package yeah uh you know you get the free t-shirt to go with and there's all you know everybody's there is giving away t-shirts i think i walked out with like four t-shirts nice nice. uh, you know for you know i'm a harley guy so of course i got 500 (laughs) t-shirts But for the money, if you got an afternoon and it's in your area, you're, you're going to see a lot of bikes. Uh, you're going to, you know, it's, it's a good time. Nice. Can you answer the question? They are done. Oh, they are done. Okay. Chicago was the last, was the last week. was the last weekend. That was the last one. Okay. Thanks, Sean. And clearly, that's in the south. Yeah, that, that's way south. <laughs> yeah. They had like a stunt team there too, didn't they? Did you get a chance to partake in any of that? Uh, we saw the very end of it, but you know, they're running alcohol inside of a building Yeah, and 
yeah, it just it, it started to like burn the eyes pretty good. So we we got out of there. I hear you. All right, just a couple more thoughts here. What caught your eye in the in the custom scene? You know, any particular style or or build or builder? The one thing that we really thought was cool, there was a bike there in the competition. It was a Hayabusa, and it was one of those stretched out, widened bikes. It had like a 300 tire on the back of it. And this guy had put so much detail into this. It, it had to have had a, a fifteen dollars to $20,000 paint job. Between the the seat and the swing arm, he had a clear acrylic box with a live scorpion in it. It, it was what? just every <laughs> every bit of this Hayabusa that was metal was chrome. Wow. The paint job looked like it was about four miles deep. I mean, this guy put his, his entire life savings into this bike. But yeah, he called the bike the scorpion, and there was an acrylic box with a scorpion living in it. Wow. Away. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, there was a big helmet thing there too, wasn't there? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Okay. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> if there was, uh, <laughs> oh, Rico, I think I saw one or two of those while I was there. <laughs> too funny. All right, John. Anything else from your end on the show? The only thing I'll go back to talk about is EPA and. I don't, I think there's being more information or thoughts that they're going to crack down and I don't think that's going to happen as bad as it. We've had a change of administration too in the White House, so it remains to be seen, you know, what, what their take is on any of that stuff. So it could change. It currently, he is, uh, administration is not um, EPA friendly, my understanding of reading. And to my understanding is anybody that wants to put a new policy in place, new policies have to go out, and that's across all agencies. Interesting. That's some facts that are out there. So there's some interesting facts about that. So I think it, was, it might not be as bad as everybody thinks it is. Are you taking points away from me again for this year? No, man. No, man. I'm taking any points away from me. But, you know, I do agree that the Bobber, Cracker, scrambler is going to take over the big wheels well i just hope it's vintage i mean whatever they're doing with the tracker look bobber look scrambler look i just i'm i hope they do it with more vintage bikes that's that's what i'd like to see and there was there was a lot more of them at easy riders so i hope that trend continues all right mr hogan other thoughts on ims i think i'm tapping out i'm done (laughs) tapping out all done with cleveland yeah for another turn. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Zion, you going to hang out for some U-turn topics with us? Maybe a garage topic or two? Sure. All right, let's hit that U-turn. Well, we talk about vintage quite a bit because as of late and probably about for the last year or so or Maybe you could say since we've been going to Barber, we've sort of kind of gotten the vintage bug. And now it looks like there's another old name about to be resurrected. And I don't, Rico, did you find this or was this John? But we've got the possibility of Excelsior Henderson being uh, reinvigorated and brought back to be a a real thing. 
What? What? Did you read that? Was no, that John must have pulled that. Was that John's posting? <laughs> nope. I didn't even know I did that. Wow. All right. Well, well, I'll take credit for it then if you guys don't want to. How's that? Nah, nah. <laughs> Rico's like, no, yeah, that was mine. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> no, no, that's all you, baby. That's all you. Well, just briefly, we, we don't have to get into it a lot, but I was just reading, and this is on Business Wire. Um, they're saying that Aaron Bell International has retained the exclusive rights or the exclusive agent for Excelsior Henderson Motorcycles. And they're looking to have a reintroduction of the brand. I think that's cool. That is cool. Those are cool looking bikes back in the day. I wonder if they're going to keep that same style. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, it'd be interesting to see if they do the, like the triumph thing where it, it looks really old, but it's all modern or if it really is going to be, you know, more old style. Yep. I agree. I hope so. You're pretty neat. What do you think about those Zion? I mean, obviously they haven't been around for a long time, but reintroducing these old brands. What do you think about that? Well, I think with Indian success, uh, it's proven that that nostalgic, uh, historical marketing works. So I, I really do believe that they could have a, 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 a viable product. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It'd be, it'd be cool to see them come back and of course get right into flat track racing. <laughs> that would be neat. <laughs> Go right back to the old heyday. So, but yeah so not a lot to talk about there but just I thought that was neat someone's trying to bring that brand back to life I think you can walk around the Barbie museum you can drop that coin there in the bucket yeah and just see all these vintage bikes and say wow what happened to that brand and what happened to that brand and what happened to that brand so it'd be interesting seeing how many of these guys get resurrected if at all yep we'll be watching so since we're sitting here talking a little bit about like back, and we talk about Carly's plan for the next, you know, 50 bikes over the next five years, little fact I found was, did you realize Carly made a reverse trike? Uh, what? Did. You digging up old bones? What do you got, Johnny? Yeah. So, so this was kind of going back on the, I think motorcycle men guys over there talked about this, about some drawing that they had. And come to realize Harley actually did make two of these bikes. There's a Harley Davidson Henster tilting reverse trike. No kidding. And if you look at it, it looks like they took the V rod and put, you know, um, you know, front wheels and spread it out in the front. Now concept and, uh, only, this never made it to market. Correct. Yeah. They made two of them. Um, back, in 2006, they made these, and they are at the Harley-Davidson Museum. No kidding. Good find, Johnny. And to kind of give kudos to somebody how I found this out was uh, my cousin Tom that lives out in California. I was talking to him a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned this to me. And if I remember correctly, what he said was uh, he was talking to a museum person, and they said the reason they never made it because Harley said they were too expensive to make. I can believe that. So a little, you know, since you're sitting here digging up past information and vintage bikes and it was Harley, so will they come out with one? Yeah. All right. A couple of garage topics, fellas. Let's do it. If I can find it. All right, this will be quick. We've got some feedback to get to. Uh, but first, I have a little addition to the deuce that I need to report. 
edition. And I think, yeah, I think we talked about this. I purchased a little swing arm uh, saddlebag while I was in Daytona. Got that from the JMP Cycle store right there at Destination Daytona. And yeah, got that installed uh, yesterday, I guess it was, Wednesday. Wow, so, how long did that take? Oh, man, it was like 10 minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bryce helped me. It's like, you know, put two little pieces of plastic on the swing arm, you know, almost like a, a thick uh, plastic tape. And then, you know, it was three leather straps, just kind of buckled it on. And that was it. It was a piece of cake. So now that it's on, what do you think? Does it take, does it add uh, beauty to the bike or does it take away or is it what? Yeah, the, the looks are, are perfect. I mean, it adds a nice little dimension to the left side of the bike there. And it's, it's, it's small, you know, it's a small bag, but I was able to fit a couple bottles of water, um, extra gloves, glove liners, a bungee net, and I think the turtle fur. I had a bunch of different things that I could shove in there and, and still get it closed. So it's not bad. It's going to be nice to keep on the bike full time. Uh, in the summertime, I often like to just take the backrest off of mine and just, just ride around. I like the way the back of the bike looks without having that little luggage rack in the backrest. So now I have this permanently attached. I can chuck a few things in there and ride around with it like that. Cool. So are you going to leave it out when it rains and get it all cruddy or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Let it age, let it weather. It'll be cool. All right. It'll look, it'll look as old and cruddy as me. (laughs) Sweet. Ouch. (laughs) Now, Now, Zion, what do you have on your bike for luggage? I think you have hard bags, right? On your deluxe? Yeah. Yeah. I put a set of, uh, conversion brackets, um, that, uh, basically I can put any FL style, uh, saddle bag on my soft tail. Wow. Very nice. That is. Is, is your uh, swing arm bag, is it leather? Yeah, it's from Willie and Max. Okay. Did they tell you how to treat it so it doesn't crack on you? No. It might be in the bag somewhere, but I didn't get that far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know you want it to age and, and get that look to it, but being as low to the ground it is, as it is, it's just going to get covered in road tar. Yeah. Uh, if you keep that leather wax on it, you'll be able to keep it cleaner so it doesn't, because that tar and just that grime will eat it up. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't stick out too far. It actually is no, it's no wider on the bike than the primary, which is cool. So it doesn't really stick out that far. Yeah, you won't hit it on the ground when you corner. Yeah, it shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, the primary is going to hit before that bag hits for sure. Or the pegs or probably the kickstand on that side of the bike. Nice. It's good stuff. We got to pull some pictures of that. Yeah, I got a couple pictures. And of course, Bryce helped me make a video. So he, he was helping me hold it open while we did a couple different rounds of, you know, how much can you shove in a small bag? <laughs> cool. All right. So one more little garage topic. And this one is directed for you, Rico. We had Mr. Mike Sawyer write in and he says, as a fellow Indian owner, I thought you may want to look at love jugs for your bike. They do help cool the motor. He had them on his last Harley and plans on installing them on his vintage. So another Indian rider. Nice. I'd like to hear that. So what do you think? Something something you'd be looking at for your bike or are you good with the heat? Well, I, I, you know. <laughs> do you like I, the nut roast? <laughs> yeah, I like the nut roast. It's not that bad where I, it's that I have to go out and buy a fan for my bike to cool that rear cylinder head. But um, 
those love jugs, you know, they, they're going to sit on the left side of me. And I don't know. I, I guess I had to put it on, see it in person before I decide to get something like that because that's an addition to the side of the motor. Yep. It's going to kind of take away from the aesthetics, I think, a little bit. This is my perspective and with me not actually seeing it in person. So I actually have to see this. But um, just as uh, seeing, seeing, seeing the, 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 the item, knowing what it does, it's a great idea. But I just have to see it and make sure that it functions and actually work the way it's supposed to. And couple that with uh, that some nice uh, oil. Yeah, and there you go. Too. So, you know, there's a couple things I want to look at to see if I can reduce some of that heat. But uh, right now, as it stands, it doesn't bother me as much. All right. Unless, unless I've been riding it hard and it's about 250 degrees and we're sitting in the, in the sun and traffic. Then <laughs> yeah, traffic. It's you mean issue. Atlanta traffic? Atlanta, yeah, something like Atlanta in the heat. Oh, that was a hot day. Yes. Cool. Yeah, it'd be neat to check them out. I'd like to see them in person. I've I've seen yeah. them online for, for quite a long time now, but I've never actually seen them work in person, so it'd be neat to check yeah. them out. And the apparently, show. they're yeah, apparently a waterproof and everything, so you don't have to worry about riding in the rain and getting shorted out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I think it's a neat idea. Like I said, I just got to see it in person before I go purchasing it. All right. Now, Zion, I'm pretty sure your take on love jugs is just go faster. No need. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, been making air cooled motors for you know over a hundred years. It's a it's an imperfect motor, but you're never you're never going to make it perfect. Yeah, I think the main thing is is. If you're having a problem with it, is it enough that that problem goes away? You know, like you had, Rico, you put those those leather flaps on the back, and and for you, yeah. I think you said that was enough. So yeah, as long yeah. as whatever you're adding, if it fixes your problem, then it's, it sounds like a win. Mm-hmm. All right, events, and I have no sound effect, but John, we have events. events? Yes, we do. Events? Do we have events? Of course, we got events. Always have events. Always have events, but will we actually have time to go? That's the question. <laughs> well, I don't know. Depends. A busy year. A lot yeah. of things that we want to do. Well, the next one coming up, I think, is the American Flat Track Race in Charlotte, April 1st. You going to go to that? Planning on it. All right. I'm working on a kitchen pass. And then about a week later, you're doing the mountain meetup with the Moto Vloggers. I am. That's gonna be a great time. Another rider of our rider of ours sounds weird. Another riders of Loud Pipes member Mike is gonna be joining you. Correct. That'll be fun. I think the plan is uh we're gonna hit up the Wheels Through Time Museum is the plan of action one day. Nice. Now, what is this thing you put in here for July? What is that? That's another little meetup. Another group of vloggers. Oh dear. And they're coming down from all over the United States. And last time I saw, there's the Facebook group they have. There's about 60 members wow. that aren't chatting about going. So um, a very interesting group. I'm not sure how that's all going to work out yet. But it's going to be a fun time. I think there's some coming down from Connecticut, Canada. Um, I'm not sure what else. That's the... Starts on the 6th, we're meeting in Boone, and then we're you know, going down to uh, Robbinsville, hanging out. 
July 5th through the 10th, hey? Yeah. All right. Very nice. Okay. That's coming about, so. All right. The next event after that, sometime between May and September, we haven't, again, haven't figured that out, but that'll be the next iteration of the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. And of course, the, I think it's the 12th annual Barber Vintage Festival coming up. Incorrect. (laughs) Oh, it's 13th. Lucky 13. We need to get Zion to come down with us too. What what's the uh, what's the barber festival? I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say barber because it seems to be the thing. <laughs> come on, my you desk my goes, desk Zion. is starting to buckle. <laughs> All right. Well, before I thank the riders of Loud Pipes for their support, I'm going to give Zion the floor for a minute. And let him sort of tell the listeners what what it is that we offer and what he enjoys about it so he can hear it firsthand. What I really enjoy about being a, a member of the Loud Pipes family here is really that uh, Slack forum, that, that communication that we get with everybody in there loves motorcycles. And we all love different motorcycles. We, victory guys, we've got... Uh, I'm a Moto Guzzi guy. We, we, you know, we've got just about everybody and it, it's cool because in our own little worlds, we tend to like our own brand and we tend to hang out with the people who are like our own brand. And yep. it, it's cool to get that different perspective. And, uh, we sometimes butt heads like brothers, but most of the time it's just a, a good diversion from whatever's going on in your day-to-day life. And to me, that's worth five bucks a month to to be able to have that and to support you guys. Cool. We got to get you on the monthly hangout one of these days. Yeah, now that I'm on day shifts, might be able to work that out. Cool. Well, thank you, sir. With that, I would like to thank the rest of the riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. That would be our first five riders, Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and of course... Zion, thanks again. Uh, Barbershop rider Chuck. Riders group Steve, Mike, Micah, Mark, and Jim. And the insider, Kenny, bringing up the rear. Loudpipes.net slash donate is the place to be if you want to check this out and and get some of that value that, that that Zion mentioned and some of the other perks that we haven't mentioned this evening. If you're looking for show swag, you can head over to loudpipes.net slash store and give John something to do over the weekend other than wax his Can-Am. And additional information for this episode, including links and images, can be found on our website, loudpipes.net slash 76. So we have links there for feedback, subscribing to the show, following us on social media. Hogan? Yeah, man. Shabila. Kick stands up. Johnny John? Yeah, let's go. All right. Zion, you still here? I'm still here. All right. Let's get out of here.
If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate.